Fishing like a local isn't just about catching fish. It's about connecting with the environment and the people who call it home. It's about hearing the stories and traditions that have been passed down for generations and sharing unforgettable moments with the people you meet along the way. Fishing like a local is having an experience that stays with you forever. And with Fishing Booker, you can experience it too, no matter where you are. Discover your next adventure on Fishing Booker. At Midway USA, we know the AR-15 is one of the most popular rifles in modern American history. Known for its modularity and widespread use, it's often considered essential to any gun collection. The essential things you need to run an AR-15 are usually always in stock during shortages, things like magazines and 5.56 ammo. Whether you're looking to buy a new AR-15 or buy parts for your modern sporting rifle, log on and for just about everything for the outdoors, shop MidwayUSA.com. The pursuit for food has taken us into the wilderness, across rivers, and atop mountains. These journeys have connected us to the wild. It is this connection that allows us to experience the wild places this world has to offer in search for both wild game and adventure. This is my adventure for food. In the upland hunting community, just about anyone you talk to would say that they got their start in upland hunting and developed a passion for the sport because of the dog work and then having that connection with the dog and just watching them do what they do and interacting with the wildlife. And, and it's just this it's interesting orchestration of, of teamwork and in some cases, uh, telepathy, you know, particularly a handler, when they get to learn their dog, they know exactly what their dog is telling them just based on how the dog is looking, you know, whether it's a look in the eye, whether it's a little bit of a posture, um, what, what angle is the tail on the pointing dog, just this incredible nuance and this, this connection between the hunter and the dog. And then of course, the plumage on the birds, uh, they're just such dazzling and, and incredible and the exhilaration of a flush. So many things about upland hunting that is just incredible. But when it comes to our pointing dogs, they're a lot like children. And for a guy like me who doesn't have any children, they basically are my children. You know, so seeing what they do in the field and, and enjoying that bond and that time with them is super important for a guy like me. And I've got I've got four Llewellyn setters right now. One of them is a six-year-old. And we knew when she was just a pup, about seven months old, that she had severe bilateral hip dysplasia. And so hip dysplasia is a disease, basically. It's a, it's a genetic issue. And sometimes uh, in larger breeds, it can be tied to uh, somewhat to, um, to diet as pups are growing and so forth. But in Yuba's case, she's like a 28-pound dog. So she's little. She has some genetic issues. And what happens with hip dysplasia in dogs is the ball and socket for the femur and pelvis, they don't... Um, they don't form properly. And in Yuba's case, the, the socket portion on the pelvis basically did not form whatsoever. She was just almost slick on the, on the pelvis. And so we knew very early she had severe problems, but we let time tell what she was going to do for us. And this little dog in the first few years of her life was just bonkers about pheasant for a lack of a, of a better term. I got her into the field and just ran her own birds and she developed this incredible taste 
for that long barred tail and that cackling flush. And to, to work with that little dog, it was just, it was just like magic. And then it continues to be. And we were in the field on her fourth season when she had a hip, I guess you could call it a dislocation, the right hip separated from the pelvis. And I didn't have any clue what was going on with it, right? This dog was working a bird. She dropped out of sight over a hillside and suddenly just all hell erupted in this poor dog screaming bloody murder. And I'm trying to find her thinking, okay, so she met a coyote. She met a porcupine. She's tangled in barbed wire, you know? So I find the pup and there's not a thing wrong with her. I can't, I can't, I can't see anything giving her the full work over. Well, apparently that hip righted itself and she took off like she didn't even miss a beat and uh, couldn't have been 10 minutes later, put a wild rooster in the vest. And she just hunted through with that kind of passion. She spent her whole life pushing through that kind of pain just to put up another rooster, to hear that cackle, to hear the shot. And so we were coming into this year, this is her sixth season, and she was starting to show some signs of the other hip starting to go. And so, you know, the last time, a couple years ago, we'd had the right hip repaired. And basically they cut the ball of the femur off and let scar tissue and, and muscle form a kind of a false joint. It's almost like how the shoulders on, on animals are developed. You know, they don't actually have a socket. And so coming into this fall, Yuba was starting to show some pretty significant symptoms of, of pain and arthritis. And so we had to make the call in August that she couldn't make it through another season without a surgery. So we scheduled it. And August is just a horrible time, you know, when you've got a dog that's that's got that kind of passion and drive, and and she's one of your starters. Uh, it, it's a it's a really tough decision to make, but it was the best thing to do for her. And so she missed all of the September grouse season, and she missed some of the early quail in in October. But I was hoping and praying that by the end of uh, end of October, when the the pheasant season opened in Eastern Washington, that she was going to be ready to rock and roll. So I, you know, I played it safe when the season opened, I didn't hunt her very hard, made sure she was running just on, on kind of level ground, you know, not running her very long, just making sure that she was working into it. Didn't want to overwork her at all, uh, afraid of damaging any of that, that still healing tissue in there. And I, I learned in just a few weeks that maybe I should have been running her all along because the dog that I was I was really worried about injuring turned out to really have recovered well. And, and, you know, mental state has a lot to do with that. So it could just be kind of like people. You know, if, you're, if you get your opportunity to find that bliss and to, and to experience your passions, it helps in the healing process and, and physical therapy. And hunting this dog on pheasant uh, the first few weeks of the season – she not only overcame what I was afraid of with, with, you know, pain and healing, but the dog that I've always called my best pheasant dog absolutely turned it up a notch. And, you know, you wonder how, how those dogs can reach in that deep and really pull out the kind of, uh, the kind of drive and the kind of passion and the skills. Like, you know, I, I really didn't train this dog a whole lot other than getting her out and, and just getting her on some birds in the wild and letting her, letting her learn on her own. She's taught herself so much, but really she hit the pinnacle in late November. I called up a buddy of mine and we were going to go out and hunt for Hungarian partridge. 
I had talked to some other friends that found this beautiful swath of uh, native bunch grass perched up on top of this beautiful deep river canyon. It's got nice basalt rims and knuckles sticking out all over the place. And it's, it's surrounded by canola and uh, winter wheat fields. And it's just, you know, it's a place that I've seen a time or two, but never really decided to go for it. But when I heard that there were two coveys of partridge in there, I was like, we're going to try it. Because this was an incredible partridge year in, in, in southeast Washington. And I was I was really getting into that. And uh, I knew there were some pheasant around, but I really didn't know what we were going to be in for. So we drive up there, and uh, my buddy jumps out, and, and I drop Yuba, and man, she is off like fire. If that dog had any way to set that grassland on fire with friction, she would have done it. Because as fast as her no-hip little rear could carry her, she careened and she casted back and forth across this property. And we had first started out with a wind to our back, just the way we had to go into it. So we worked in and she worked the wind just beautifully, taking long, long runs out, casting her way back and using that wind just to her advantage. And uh, she, she started to probably 10 minutes in, she started to, to get on bird scent and she's a really cautious dog up front until she really figures out what that scent is doing. So she spins around in front of me and just locks up really hard, but I can tell she's got her head high and her mouth is, is she's relaxed. She's, she's breathing. She's, she's taking in that scent and she's realizing that, you know, there's not a, there's not a bird right here, but there was a bird right here. And where is it going? And that, and she started to follow that track. And for the next 10 minutes, Yuba would run out, spin around, run back, and you would see her do these interesting jogs and dodges, and then she would lock up. And then she would stand for 60 seconds, and before one of us could get into her to start the flush, she would relax, and she would peel off. She would take a hard right, run with the wind to her back, and cut back in and dodge in again and slam on the brakes and lock up again. And I yelled to my buddy Marvin, I was like, dude, that's a running bird. That's a rooster. Get on it. And he was thinking Huns, right? And I'm like, no, 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 no. That's a pheasant. And so Marv, he, uh, he was taking his time and I was yelling at him, get in there. And uh, Yuva is, is working and working and working this bird. And finally, she goes on point almost at the very edge of this property and locks up. And she's got that super high tail, mouth clenched tight, you know head down she's looking right in there and i'm like that's he's right there get in you know so i'm yelling at him and i'm starting to run and uh, i said circle around wide come straight into her face look where the dog's looking you got to go right there so mar starts to cut in and i just they make a beeline between them and sure enough that rooster gets up <laughs> marvin just watches it and then he pulls up and fires and misses after the bird's already 50 yards out and I just started laughing at him. Yuba kind of cast him that, just what in the hell was that all about? Kind of a look, you know, it's uh, it's absolutely legitimate that, that pointing dogs will judge when you miss, when they've worked so hard and did such a great job, you know, and that was, that was one of the moments where I've seen this dog work running birds a long time, but that was just absolute stellar. She knew everything that bird was doing. She knew where he was, how far out he was. She knew where to cut him off. And she finally pegged him. <laughs> the fact that we missed, boy, that was, a, that was a disappointment to everybody. I know it was a disappointment to her. But no, you know, no worries. The dog absolutely course corrects. And she just took off the way she was going. And uh, she had another, another find that we didn't get up on before the bird flushed. 
And the, the, so these birds that we've missed have come back down in the grassland somewhere behind us out of sight. We work this property around, no more contacts, and we're coming back. And I see Yuba, she's, now that we're working into the wind, she's working a lot closer. You know, when, when the wind's to her back, she'll work 100, 200 yards out and, and then cover back. And this time she was, we're staying within 30 to 50 yards, casting very wide sweeps and, and just covering ground beautifully. And at one point between Marvin and I, I see her start getting birdie and start tracking again. And uh, the bird gets up wild, flies out ahead. And I watched that bird and watched that bird. And finally I saw what kind of where it came down. We picked up the pace and I got Yuba moving along and uh, probably took us another almost 10 minutes to get into that area. And when that dog went on point, it was one of those things where she, she just happened to come right in close to him on a wide cast and got that full scent going right in her face and just slammed on the brakes. Just one of those, you know, skid to a halt kind of a things. And uh, when she locked up, I, I knew exactly what bird that was. And, and I was right in there. Had uh, I was That was one of those awesome moments, too, you know, when you actually know what it is. It's like, oh, you know, that's that rooster. And I didn't even bother trying to get Marvin on it. I ran in there, finger ready on the trigger and, on the, and the thumb on the safety. And I was within five yards of that dog when that bird blew up and didn't waste any time on that one he came down Yuba dove on that sucker and and it was one of those you could just see the pride in that dog's eyes she was so thrilled to have that bird and i i made her sit with me for a minute and smell it and and uh, you know she was crying a little bit whimpering and just super excited and stuck it in the vest and released her and we didn't have a whole lot further to go um, probably another another quarter to half mile of property left and uh, you just never know sometimes especially when you start a property with the wind to your back just what you're going to walk past and it could have been a bird that flushed earlier that came back down or it could have been a bird that we just walked by but we were really really close to the truck i mean i was i was just about to pop the breech and unload the shotgun and i saw you start to get birdie and slow down and and starting to work that scent and uh, another one of those Caught the full scent cone, went on a rock solid kind of a mid-air point, and uh, I yelled at Marvin. I was just like, "Get over here! You know, there's there's a bird right here!" And uh, so I was I was going to run in and help him pinch it, but the three of us we had already the just the the way we were we were situated, we already had that bird locked up. So we kind of pinched in on it in a triangle, and the bird got up and Marv connected, but it wasn't too great. It was uh, just kind of winged it. And the, the nice thing about hunting a rooster in short grass is, you know, with, with my small dogs, they can see them. It's not like we're hunting heavy cover. And, and when the shot goes off, they're not sure what's going on, man. She could see that bird plain as day. And uh, when that sucker tumbled, she was flat on it. And I was yelling at her. I was like, get him, Yuba, get him. Because I knew the bird was going to run. And man, she was on that sucker in a second. And I, I swear, the, I wish I could have been a bystander. To, to see the way that this played out because Yuba was just an absolute fierce little dog. She jumped on that bird. She was yanking tail feathers. The bird was jumping. The bird was trying to spur the dog. They were running this rodeo. Marvin and I were running in trying to close in on her. So it was this, this blur of blaze orange and black and white dog and feathers and, and rooster jumping around. And finally Yuba tackled that thing and we ended up getting our hands on it. And secured Marvin's bird. 
but that performance of that dog that day, you know, just the, the drive and how well she stuck those points and the way she tackled that bird. And, and she continued that uh, for the rest of the season, even on Hungarian partridge, uh, the other hunts that we had, she would just cover the ground like nobody's business. She was finding birds. She was just slamming on the point, just incredible performance for a, for a little dog with no hips that, you know, we, we feared six, seven years ago that she was, she was going to have a really limited lifestyle and, and quality of life and, and hunting experience. And now she's just going absolutely gangbusters. So, you know, when it, when it comes to, to seeing that kind of a thing in the field, that's just, that's really one of the biggest drives for upland bird hunting and to see that kind of, that kind of heart, you know, something that, that, you know, think of myself, if I had the kind of pain that she had to push through all these years, I wouldn't have been able to do it. I would have been a, a big sis and, and bailed out and I'd be sitting on the couch wishing I were hunting and, you know, dogs are out there doing their thing. And, uh, it's just, it's just an incredible thing, you know, and it, it kind of, it's another testament to, uh, things like hip dysplasia, giving dogs a uh, kind of a stigma that folks are afraid of. And of course you don't want to breed them in that sense, but, this is a great example of giving the dog the benefit of the doubt and just having one hell of a hunter on our hands that we could have returned to the breeder, gotten something else, and it might not have been nearly as good, you know. We gave her a shot, and she's just absolutely incredible. And to see how they come back from and overcome adversity, it's, uh, it's all just the name of the game. And, you know, we, we talk a lot uh, in our writing and, and in our podcasts here about um, – recalling and honoring the hunts uh, as we as we prepare our meals and so forth and some of the meals that i prepared out of the roosters that this dog has brought in this year they really do just bring back those memories and and when you can prepare them just right and you get those those really succulent excellent recipes man there is no better honor to the dog work and to the life the birds gave you know it just really rounds it all out. And uh, so, you know, here's the hoping for a, a number of more years with a crazy little no-hip dog running around nailing roosters. And that's my uh, adventure for food. This upcoming concert season will be all about the boots, and Tecovis is your stop for the best in Western style. Tecovis has seasonal and limited edition offerings this spring and summer, including men's and women's boots, apparel, hats, bags, and more. All Tecovis boots are made by hand in a time-honored tradition with timeless styles that are always on trend. And Tecovis has first wear comfort with little to no break-in period. It's hard to find this level of comfort paired with this level of style. Stop by your local Tacova store, have a complimentary drink or two, that's WCB style, and shop new styles. The smell of fresh leather and friendly staff are at your service. Many stores even have leather custom branding to make your boots truly personalized. And with regular live music and events, there's no in-store experience like it. If you can't make it into a store, just visit tecovas.com. That's T-E-C-O-V-A-S.com. They offer free shipping on all boots as well as free returns and exchanges and ship right to your door. Go to tecovis.com and find your new favorite pair of boots today. Thursdays with Saltwater Experience, brought to you by Golden Boat Lifts, every Thursday night from 7 to 10 p.m. Eastern on Waypoint TV, the destination for outdoor entertainment. 
A life that has the stories to back it. A life to be proud of. It's a Winchester life. Yeah, baby. 6-8 Western. Oh, a mule there, baby. Right there. Tune in every Tuesday at 7 p.m. Eastern on Waypoint TV.